For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Cole. So, Cole, how have you been this past fortnight? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Dan. Um, sort of standard standard time at the moment, isn't it, with Spurs at the moment? They tend to kind of put a dampener on most things for you. So, um, you know, other than that, not too bad. Football-wise, not particularly good, but I'm sure we'll get into that and a lot more this evening. So, looking forward to it, mate. We certainly will, but I'm glad you're doing well all the same. James is off on a scouting trip this week. So, James, if you are listening, I hope you're well. But it also means I'm delighted to welcome back Holly to First Team Podcast Action. So, Holly, it has been a while, but how have you been keeping, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I think my liver's pretty full up with gin at the moment <laughs> after watching uh, Tottenham's performances the last couple of weeks. But like Carl said, bar the football, I'm all good. I think you need a Bombay Sapphire influencer <laughs> deal, don't you? It's on its way, Holes. It's on its way. Just needs to do a bit more <laughs> drinking. But anyway, let's get the social media bits out of the way first and dissect the last couple of weeks and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming New Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is going to be a little bit different between now and the end of the season. So first up, apologies for no show last week, but with it being a bank holiday, we thought to ourselves, do you know what? We need a break, a well-earned break at that. So we took one. Now, with three episodes of the show to go between now and the end of the season, this one included, we're going to take more of a topic-based view, mainly for two reasons. Firstly, there are some really important topics that need more of our time. And Carl, I don't know about you, but I'm running out of ways to moan about Serge Aurier. Yeah, it is becoming hard, isn't it, Dan? You know, I don't think there's... There's too much more that can be said about performances and certain players and the things they're doing. Um, so, as you said, maybe it's kind of we, we've run that well dry, haven't we, as such? So maybe it, you know some topics for us to focus on kind of steers us away from the bad things we're seeing and gives us a little bit more to get our teeth into. Absolutely. So if we don't do the usual post-match breakdown, again, apologies if that's what you're listening for. Hopefully you'll stick about because I think today's going to be a really good show. On that basis, we do need to talk about something else, and that is the art of protest. Not just any protest, though, the Enoch Out protest on May 15th. So firstly, between the three of us, I'd like to set the stage. Get a grasp of everyone's Enoch sentiment, as we should say for now. So, Carl, I'll start with you. Where do you currently stand on all things ownership at present? Um, This is a tough one because, like I say, from the footballing side, I'm definitely an Enoch Out man from the footballing side. The off-pitch stuff that they do and, and the way the club is moving in terms of the brand and that, you can't argue with, you know, the, the training ground, the stadium, the money that they're going to get coming into the club. You can't argue with what they've done for the brand as such. And, and hence, obviously, as we'll get into that later on, being included in the European Super League, which, let's face it, a good few years ago, we wouldn't have even been in that bracket a conversation. So... You can't knock them for certain things they're doing off the pitch. For me, though, 
where it's most important for me and where it's probably most important for a lot of fans that are going to be listening is on the pitch. And unfortunately now, I think Enoch have had their time and it's quite clear that the way they want to run the club as a football entity just isn't going to be the sort of way that we need it run to see success on the pitch because it's quite clear that that isn't necessarily their main driver and it isn't something that they're geared up to try and go and get success because there's certain things they're clearly not prepared to go and do. Um, so, like I say, I, I'm kind of, I am now more edging towards I'd like them out, but it's mainly if they could, you know, if say someone like Daniel Levy or that can step away from footballing decisions, then maybe we'd see a sort of change in the way the club's done. But I think ultimately the the, the orders will still come down from Joe Lewis and as I say, it's quite clear now. I think we've seen, you know, this season has probably been the one that's really changed a lot of people's opinions. And I'd be that way where now I, I am a clear that if we, you know, if you could get someone else to come in who wants to pump the money in and make the club a success on the pitch, then I'd be all for it. OK, then, Holly, the same question to you. What is your feeling regarding Enoch? Are you in or out? And is it, is it a feeling which has changed in the past month or so? I'm fully out. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, selling the soul to the Super League probably was the final nail in the coffin. And right. obviously seeing the, the last couple of days as well, the fact that they're going to charge us the highest ticket prices for the last game of the season, bearing in mind we haven't been in there all season, compared to other teams as well, I think it's an absolute joke. And like Kyle said, yes, off the pitch, it's a brilliant brand. But going quickly to the Super League, like that to me was going to make our club more like a franchise. And I think in terms of a business statement, for Levy and Enoch, that's probably their best roll of the dice. So for me, footballing-wise, it's gone out the window. We've seen it so many times. We sell a good player and the player we get in is nowhere near the player that we left. Like the likes of Ericsson, he left. We, I don't think we've got a replacement for it. And in that kind of terms and respects, I think enough is enough. And Yes, they've done wonderful things in the investment in the club, in the sense of the stadium, in the sense of the training ground, but that's what they're good at. They're good at property management. They're good at property investing. And the football-wise, not so much. And at the end of the day, we're a football club. And I think Bill Nick would probably be rolling in his grave at the moment, seeing what they're kind of doing to our club. Yeah, you mentioned the European Super League. And I think, for me, that's when the mask finally slips. Like, I don't know if I... Was either Enoch in or out, probably sitting on the fence being a podcast host. You try and be as subjective as possible and sort of ask the questions to everyone else. It's quite a, a safe opinion. But I think seeing that, I just thought, no, nah, this isn't for me anymore. Like, I've never really gone to the extent of typing Enoch out or anything like that or really had that passion. But I know that they're not a good vehicle for the club from a footballing point of view as we've sort of all come to this collective. Great if you want to have a property portfolio. It's fantastic. But, you know, that doesn't win you Premier League trophies, does it? So I think we'll get to sort of the reasons why... This protest needs to happen in a moment, but I just think it's the culmination of, shall we say, years of abuse in terms of financial shortcomings and all that. You just think, oh, you know, how much more can take place? And then there's all these other sort of stories that keep coming out, which we'll also get to in a moment. I don't want to kind of blow my load early, but there's just so many other things, Carl, that just make you and everyone else. It kind of eyes have been open collectively recently that even if you were the most staunch Enoch in, you're kind of sort of thinking, do you know what? This aren't. These aren't owners for the club. This isn't for the good of the club, is it? Like Something has to change quite radically. Yeah, I think this season has really kind of changed that opinion, isn't it? And, and I think that comes down to a number of factors. Uh, and I think at the time, I reckon, you know, when Levy appointed Jose Mourinho, 
he probably thought this is going to be the guy that's going to turn it all around. I've proven to the fans that I'm prepared to bring a winner to the club and we're going to go and be ruthless and, and we're aiming for success. If anything, it kind of completely has probably gone the way that Levy did not anticipate that management appointment going because I think bringing him in really split the fan base, didn't it? And then the football that we were being served up most weeks. Now, yes, it's not all Jose's fault. You know, as we've said, there are certain players in this squad who just are not going to cut it. And and for me, it won't just be at this club. We're talking they're not just footballers at all. You know, I think Serge Aurier, I don't want to keep picking him out because there are others who are just as bad like Eric Dyer. But someone like Serge Aurier for me, I can't see him going even to another club and being a success because I just question, you know, something in that bloke's brain just doesn't work when he hits a football pitch. Um, But, all those combinations of things giving us probably a real toxic season, didn't they? You know, by the time Jose got the boot, things were turning really nasty with the performances. I think the league form kind of really got to everybody and the fact that not only could we miss out on Champions League, at a certain point, we're looking like we're even going to miss out on Europa the way things are going. Then, obviously, you know, that Europa League defeat, I think that was the final now in Jose's coffin for a lot of people. And that every, got everyone angry. Then you lose the League Cup final the way we did. And I think just with everything that went on this season, I think really did turn. Even some, you know, Enoch, you know, backers. I think, as you say, that the whole season in itself has just brought people to the point where they think, nah, do you know what? I think there needs to be some form of change now. Um, now, whether or not there's a hope that maybe... I doubt it because I think, you know, there should have been enough warning signs for Levy in previous seasons. But I think there might also be some people that think, even if we don't get Enoch out, we want this to be a wake-up call to them, I think, to say, listen, enough's enough. You know, you've had long enough to try and turn this club into a success and you're clearly not doing that um, on the pitch where it matters for us as fans. So I think there are a lot of people now that are just thinking, even if they're not Enoch out, they want to send a message and that message is things need to change and the whole structure of the club and the way things are done, like recruitment, you know, the way we transfer policy, all those kind of things. I think there are a lot of people now who just want to send a message and say it's not good enough and we've had enough of it now and we want some change and we want drastic change in that area. Holly, Carl mentioned the word toxic and I think that's the perfect word to sum all this up. So in terms of toxicity... Have the board, the players, even the manager, I'll talk about Jose Mourinho, have they been given a free hit, a free pass, if you will, because there's been no fans largely in the stadium this season. So you kind of think to yourself that had there been 50, 60,000, whatever the capacity is, making that kind of noise about anti-Levy, anti-Enoch, anti-manager, it could get quite nasty, couldn't it? Yeah, it could be. That's the thing. If you're not there to speak about it, you can't be hurt. No one will stand up and listen. And I it's amazing what Carl said as well. The, the whole point of this protest is to go to make our voices heard. OK, it might not make movement happen in the sense that they're out, but at least 
we've given it a go and they've actually seen, oh, wait, hang on a minute, there's a lot of people here that are not happy. And I think that's the main thing to take away from it. And you're right, I think if there was people in that stadium, there would be a lot of noise being made about them. And who's knows, maybe something would have happened quicker. But again, it's a tough one. I think with the whole COVID thing, I think they were, I know we were talking about it on the pod ages ago in the sense that if there were fans in there, they definitely have got away with murder in that kind of sense. And I think it is kind of true because, like you said, there's there's been a lot of talk about it off the pitch and we're all sat at home and doing all these podcasts. The amount of podcasts that have come to light during COVID has been a brilliant thing because it gives a lot of voices to a lot of people so that this kind of topic can be heard. So 100%, there'd be a lot of noise on the pitch. And I just hope that come Saturday that can be replicated. And not even that, I think the players can also then see that there are a lot of fans that are not happy about the football. And at the end of the day, all of these problems do come down to those people at the top. Because at the end of the day, they're the people that hire you to do the job. Right. A follow-up question to all of this, and a very important one. Holly, I'll start with you. Are you actually planning to go to the protest this Saturday? I am indeed. It's, it's going to be a madness. I'm going to go on my own as well. Um, my boyfriend's um, doing up his flat, so I'm going to be driving from the south coast um, to New Malden and then catching the tube in. And like I said... I'm not going to be one of these people that sit here and rant and rave about it on the computer. I want to actually physically go there and might make my presence known in a sense because that's what we need. We need numbers at these things to make them really look out the window. I don't want him to shut his blind in a sense and turn a blind eye to it because we need to turn up in numbers because after the last time, we don't want to be another joke again because I feel like it's the time to act and it's time to act now to ever make ourselves be known. Cole, are you joining the Legion on Saturday? Yeah, I'll, I will be, um, you know, and I've spoke to a couple of mates when this first come around and said, right, you know, are we all going to go and get on board with this? And a few of them like, oh, I can't be bothered with it. You know, you're not going to change anything. And I think you have to take the attitude is like, the trouble is if, if you just keep saying, oh, you know, what does it matter? You know, my voice won't make a difference. But I think that's the thing now. If we can, if there is a big enough attendance there, at the weekend and I've sort of said look I, I can't not go because I've sat here moaning about the way things are being done at the club and the way the football side of things is being run um, so now there is an opportunity to go and make those feelings known there's no good now just taking a back step and not going you know this is an opportunity where you can go and let yourself be part of a larger voice that says listen we have had enough about the way things are being run on the club, um, on the football side of things. Um, so I think you've got to go, really. You know, if you're not happy, you've got to go because yes, one voice won't make a difference. But you know, twenty, thirty, you know, who knows? Twenty, thirty thousand. Who knows what the number could be? I'm sure it probably won't get to those sort of numbers. But you know, the more of you that are there the more seriously it has to be taken and the more the club will have to, you know, will have to kind of look and say, right, look, if next season we're suddenly going to get attendances back, this is going to turn very quickly. So we need to do something to make sure that doesn't happen. The one thing I will say, Dan, that we've got to make sure of is we can't have any of these protesters getting holding the banners with a bag full of goodies from yeah. the Spurs yeah. shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's no point going and protesting and filling these guys' pockets because ultimately, at the end of the day, and it's the same with the Super League and it's the same with this last game at Villa, we want to moan and you want some action. But if you go and stick 60 quid in their, you know, in their coffers again, 
if you go to the Spurs shop and buy hundreds of pounds worth of stuff, this is the thing that make a club turn around and go, we can do what we want. Because these people are still spending money. They're still pumping the money in. They're still here every week. We don't need to change anything. They're moaning. Yes, they're moaning. But look, they're still here and they're still pumping the money in. You've got to draw a line somewhere. I've no problem with someone if they want to go to the Villa game and they want to spend £60. People have been starved of football. So I think to go to any football game, people just want to go and get that kind of normality back. I understand it. But if you really do want to make a difference, imagine if there wasn't one single person in that stadium, in that Villa game, that would be a real message to the board as well that would say, listen, stick it. We've had enough of you. Um, but I know it won't be. You know, there'll be the 10,000 because there will be 10,000 supporters who want to pay that money. Um, but yeah, we've got to make sure you turn up, do the right things. And I'm sure we might come to it in a minute, Dan, about the way the protest could go and stuff. But yeah, if you're moaning and you're not happy, then then just turn up, even if it's for an hour or so. It, it could make all the difference. For the record, if I still lived in East London, I would go 100%. Unfortunately, living in Newcastle, a little bit more of a trek, and I need to find a dog sitter. So I'm there in spirit, <laughs> and whoever does go, I mean, be as loud as you can and really sort of lend your voice, because I think it's going to be a really useful movement. But, Carl, one of the reasons for this protest will be the European Super League. And for you, is it the lack of contrition or any kind of comment, apology, anything from the board, which rankles so much at the moment? I think for a lot of fans it is, isn't it? I think it's the fact that you, you don't feel like you're being considered and, uh, you know, fans like to feel they're in some form of control of what's happening with their club, don't they? And I think what this proved was that actually we, no one's got any idea what's going on in the background of where these guys want to take the club. You know, it, it could all be sold for scrap as far as you're concerned, you know, tomorrow. You, you just didn't, don't know. And I think that's what supporters didn't like was the fact that it came out the blue. We were one of the last to withdraw, weren't we? Then there wasn't really a massive apology that came with it. The only problem I have with that, Dan, in the Super League stuff was as much as I didn't want it because... I love the domestic game and I don't want to see us in a boring league because it would become boring after a little while. Um, and you can't beat the kind of fixtures that we have with the small teams that have come up, the competition and the grind to get where you want to get to. You know, we for a long while were grinding for that top four, weren't we? And, you know, the joy when we finally made it. And that's what it's all about. And no one wants to see that taken away from, from football. The only thing is... I can understand that where there was this view that, well, listen, it's better to be pissing out the club than standing outside looking in. Yes, it's not great, but would I have want, you know, if I, if we knew this was coming, would you rather be saying, well, at least let's be part of it if it's going to happen, than rather than not be part of it? Because if it does happen, like I think eventually it will one day, you know, this hasn't gone away, believe me. All this is done. These guys are going to go away and think about the right way to do it and how they can then go and get it you know, back on the board. But there is that thing where you sort of think, well, are we better off being in? You know, are we better off being in it than out of it? So I can understand from Levy's point of view, the money side and everything was there. 
And I'm guessing he probably would have thought, well, you know, supporters would be happier that we're in it rather than not in it. Because let's face it, given our track record, there's nothing that says we're a European superpower that should have the right to be in a super league playing with the elite. So he probably thought he was pulling off a masterstroke, just didn't realise how badly and what a lead balloon it was going to be when it came out. Um, but like as you say, the fact as well that there wasn't that kind of like, listen, we're sorry, we've really misread the room here. Um, and, you know, we are sorry. We, you know, we'll think about how we go about things in future. But I don't think you're going to get that from them because they're a business and their view is we're here for money. That was going to make us a lot of money. That's what it is at the end of the day for us. That's what it's all about. Well, Holly, when it comes to reading the room, it seems to be something that Enoch and Levy fail to do and they keep failing to do so you only have to look at the ticket announcement for Aston Villa we kind of touched on it but £60 flat fee for 10,000 supporters even if you're not paying that that message stings quite a bit doesn't it it's just so disconnected from the fans he really is the hence of the Super League and things it just doesn't think again what that is what that means for fans in a sense you're gonna have to go to your away games away from home like it just doesn't make any sense, and not going away from home in the sense you're gonna have to get a plane to go watch your team play away. It just for me, it was just nonsense in the sense that also it was a nothing game. You're not gonna get promoted or relegated from it either. Like the whole mumbo jumbo of it was just pointless. And again, it's the money side of things. He's just got a bald levy egghead that's like, I need money constantly. And for me, that just isn't the way we should be thinking about things. And in terms of the the Villa game, it's just disgusting. The way that you you seen that he obviously let people go. Um, for furlough and things like that because of COVID hit and then he's going to hit everyone with a £60 ticket to watch the last game of the season when we've missed football and watching our team play for so long like it's just an utter joke and when you look at other teams I think it was Arsenal I mean I dread to say it but they were only charging £35 and look how bad their season's been this, this year but at least they were like okay we've done them the dirty we've put them in the Super League We've been knocked out of the Europa League. The, be- the least thing we can do is give them a ticket that's quite cheap to see the team play towards the end of the season. But for Levy, no, it's like, oh, we haven't had these fans in for so long. Let's charge the highest um, tickets we can charge so we can get a bit of revenue in. Like, yeah, for me, I think I'm just kind of done with it now. It's always let's see how much money we can make out of something rather than thinking, OK, hang on a minute. Everybody's been suffering with COVID. Everybody's going through a rough time. They've probably wanted to watch us play for a long time in a stadium with their mates. But let's charge them at the price of doing that. Like, it's just, no, it's a no from me. I mean, Cole, there's enough season ticket holders at the club. You know, not many thousands would have been so disgusted to not sign up for next season. So the ones that are remaining for the end of 2021, surely you could have just put them all in a ballot. 10,000 winners, just charging one nineteenth of what they paid at the start of the season. Or is there just too much logic in that? No, the, you know, the trouble is, Dan, what you're saying there is logical, isn't it? You know, <laughs> and, and actually, you, you're t- I, I guess the problem we've got here, isn't it, is we're taking it because we're fans. So we're looking at what's right for us. Unfortunately, we're part of the problem at the club as well, you know. Supporters do have to take some of the blame for what football clubs do, and I, and I'm not trying to go against fans here, but the problem being is that they will fill that ground up with ten thousand people who have happily handed over sixty pound a ticket, and that is the problem, because you know they know it, and, and unfortunately, where they know they've got the average fan is that it's in your blood. 
you know, we, you know, we're probably all the same. You know, my dad was a Spurs supporter. His dad before him was a Spurs supporter. I've been watching all my life. They know I can't just flick a switch and go from tomorrow. I'm not. There's nothing Spurs. I, I, the, the club are dead to me. I won't support anybody. That's it. It's not going to work like that. And they know they've got the supporters. You know, again, I said it when at the time. The European Super League, as much as we all hated it, if it was happening next season, too many of us would buy the subscription that you need to watch those games. They'd bring out a Super League home shirt that will be worn in the Super League and not the Premier League standard shirt, and it'd be £100. But there'd be people going, yeah, gonna got me European Super League shirt for next season. And they know they've got us. Because they know for us, it's kind of like an addictive drug that you're going to go there no matter what. Um, and that's the problem. You know, but supporters do have the power in the sense that if no one went and no one brought that ticket and these protests happen, the club have to rethink. Um, but as you say, Dan, the solution simply would have been season ticket holders. We're doing a ballot. And let's look at what teams like Burnley and that have yeah. done. We, you could have even said, couldn't they? We're going to charge you a tenner. Exactly. We're going to charge you a tenner. You're all going in a ballot. If your name's picked out, we'll offer you a ticket for £10. Fill the stadium up. Last game of the season. Yes, as Holly rightly said, you know, none of you have been here. It's been a shit couple of years for people. People have lost their jobs and everything. And as a club that are making millions and millions, here's a little... This is the best we can do for you at the moment. That would have gone down. I mean, it it would have been a PR win, wouldn't it? A home run, a PR home run, especially given everything that had gone on. I mean, this would have been some. That would have been some sort of way of winning back some, you know, respect from the supporters after the Super League. And you can't believe these people. This is not. This is not Bill and Dave running something from their garage with no business sense. This is a this is a board and a company. Billionaires. They've got PR people working for them. And not one says, you do realise after everything that's gone on, you're now going to charge people £60 a ticket. You don't think that's going to piss people off more than they already are? No. No, we'll do it. Someone should have said, listen, Daniel, you've got a real chance to win back some kind of favouritism here and at least get some respect back. Do the right thing here. And this is a PR win and we kind of recover somewhat. I can't believe the people there are going, yeah, the great idea, Daniel, 60 quid. It's send on that. Put that on the internet. Well done, mate. I just don't. And again, this is a problem where you go, you just don't know who's running the club and what, who's making the decisions and thought that was a good idea. It, it's just farcical. It really is. Well, it beggars belief, really, doesn't it? But Holly, the cynic in me reckons that Daniel Levy's made the price of £60 because in doing so, it kind of wards off any ill will or any nasty sentiment that may be coming from potential protesters. Price them out, don't give them a voice. Is that a tactic that might be in play from Levy? God knows, at this, at this moment in time. I really don't know what runs through that man's head. I really don't. Like Carl said, like it's a PR madness. Surely, like For me, that's made me even more angry at the sense that it's 60 quid. Like, that's another reason I'm going to go out there and shout my voice. Like I just feel as a fan... I'm being mugged off, basically, for the sense that it's in my blood. And I just want to go back, obviously, what Carl said in the sense yeah. that we can't switch it off. I mean, for me, the, going into that Super League, that the club's dead. Because in a few years, it's going to turn franchise. For me, I would prefer it if we started our own top them up again. 
for me, sadly. I mean, for me at the time, I was going through a pretty rush patch with football anyway in, in the sentiment. But for me, I just that would be it for me. And when I've made my decision, that's it. I think, I don't know. I could see it going from the Super League that it would be a franchise. You look at all the people that went into it, are all big American names, and half of them already own NFL teams and their franchise. Daniel Levy and Enik have turned Tottenham essentially into a second NFL home. So it kind of got me thinking this club's going to be franchised in years to come. So what's the point? So, yeah, I think for me, it could be a way of shutting fans up, paying 60 quid. Because like you said, if I don't put my hand in my pocket to pay for a ticket, someone else will. And I think that's sadly the problem. But like we keep alluding to, the more people that have this kind of feeling towards the board, maybe more can be done in the sense they will actually think rather than thinking about money in their pockets. Well, I'll stay with you, Holly, because Cole referenced the fantastic photo of the protest and the man holding the club shop bag, and that is a bit of a problem. Not that man himself, but that kind of issue, that there's still going to be a big slew of money getting pumped into the club. Now, if you look at a club like Blackpool, they had their own ownership strife, and the fans had a not-a-penny-more protest that went on for quite a while, and it just squeezed any sort of revenue streams out of Blackpool. Eventually, the owner said... We can't do this anymore. We're going to have to go. They sold. The fans won. Obviously, the scale of Tottenham is a lot bigger. So you're never going to get an absolute no one's putting their hands into their pockets. But does something on that scale need to take place for it to really make sense and create a bit of noise in Enix office? I think it does. But like you said, we're, we are a really good brand. And that has done wonders for the club. But it's also going to hinder us when we ever want to do anything. Because if we don't buy stuff in Tottenham or in the UK, someone else will in America. And I think for me, that's the main problem. But I also think having these protests, not just one at the weekend, but if we constantly keep doing these protests, you're going to see um, companies that are invested into Tottenham, like the Dulux dog, are going to sit here and think, oh, hang on a minute, why is all these people keep being angry at Tottenham? What's going on here? Surely something might be, mustn't be going on very well. So I think in that kind of sense, yes, money pinching is probably a good idea to squeeze them out. But I think the only way we're really going to start hindering them is if we keep doing these protests. Because at the end of the day, companies that are paying into Tottenham, they're going to sit here and think, well, we don't want this every time Tottenham are playing. It's not going to look good for us on the telly when we're partnered with this club. So I think that mainly probably is the only way we're really going to do it. Well, Cole, Manchester United fans are doing something similar, aren't they? And I believe I read earlier today that a Manchester-based company was going to put their brand on their training tops next season. But I've looked at this and thought, no, I don't want that. So that's worked. That's step one. Can Tottenham fans do something similar? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think fans of any club can do it if they really want to. You know, it, it's just about making sure that you get the momentum and the numbers that want to keep doing it, aren't you? Um I guess the one thing that we'll find out on Saturday, isn't it, is is the kind of... Because I guess one of the problems you can have is you see it splashed all over Twitter, you know. All, all I see on my timeline at the moment is Saturday, 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 you know, and, and, and this mass feeling. But Twitter is such a small percentage of a fan base, isn't it? Um, so I guess the one thing Saturday will really show us is the true feeling of, of dislike towards the board at the moment by the amount that turn up. Because if suddenly, you know, everyone thinks going by their timeline, oh, this is going to be huge, and suddenly Saturday comes and there's still really not that many people there, you're going to be sitting there going, well, Levy and that will be sitting there going, great. So there are people who they say they're unhappy, but they're not here. 
And that must mean that there's a bigger majority of people who are not that unhappy with the way things are going. Then you're not going to win. But if there's loads of people there suddenly, and then all of a sudden this sort of thing, as we said, keeps happening week after week, you know, numbers of attendance is going down. You know, the club are not earning that million pound through food and booze from, from match day revenue. There are protests happening at every game. Then, yeah, suddenly that will have an effect because eventually, like you say, once the, if, if there's a financial impact to what's happening for, the, for those, for Enoch, then that's when they will sit up because they will sit there and go, we want money and unfortunately we're not getting what we should be right now. So we've either got to change something or we've got to look to sell up because this isn't now the money-making machine that we, we want it to be. It's just whether you can keep that momentum going and there's that feeling um, long enough. I guess, you know, a lot will depend on the next managerial appointment because I tell you now, if they make someone like Southgate manager, I say you double the numbers on Saturday that turn up. You know, if Southgate was announced tomorrow as our new manager for next season, then I think you double the attendance that turns up Saturday. So I think there's there's a lot riding on what they can do. You know, if they make the right appointment, you have a decent summer in terms of player movement. It might appease a lot of fans. And of course, if the season starts and it starts well, then that kind of anger simmers down. Um, but there's a lot for them to do to try and get that. So I guess we just have to see what happens Saturday and the way it goes. And then we'll really gauge the sort of feelings there are out there towards the club. OK, let's talk about Saturday itself now. A good starting point would be to ask both of you, what do you want from the day? Carl, I'll start with you. In terms of success, what does that look like come the end of Saturday evening? I think success from this, you know, I think we have to be realistic. Anyone going that they think suddenly Saturday, Enoch and Daniel Levy are all going to resign on Saturday <laughs> evening yeah. following this, you're in cloud cuckoo land. It's not going to happen. I think the main aim and what the main aim from Saturday should be is that we just want now to let them know, listen, this has gone on long enough. You know, this drought and the way you're doing things on the pitch needs to change and it needs to change now. You know, you've got next season to start proving that you're going to do something right on a footballing sense of things. And I think that's the main aim we can hope to get out of it is they've, they've had a long enough ride where there's been no complaints, there's been the odd murmuring of it, but not a lot. And in the following season, they're all back again, they're all doing the same thing, and, and we're just, you know, we're loving it. I think this might be the chance to prove to them, crap, we need to do something now, because if this is what it's like now, we have another bad season and we don't look like we're improving and going backwards again on the pitch. This is just going to ramp up. And the hope will be is that Saturday just might make them rethink and think, right, we need to look at the football inside of things here and we need to make some changes and get things going in the right direction. That, I think, has to be the ultimate aim from it. And Holly, same question to you. What would be a successful protest for you come Saturday? I think that's the same kind of outcome for me. I want them to actually step up and actually realise what they've done. I mean, you've seen other clubs with their pathetic um, sorry letters, but at least they gave they came up with one. Do you know what I mean? We never really had that from Enik and Levy, and I think it was a bit disappointing in the sense that you nearly sold our soul and you have got nothing to say for it. So I think the main aim as well from us is just to turn out in numbers. Like Carl said, like you guys, and you, Dan, you've said tonight, 
numbers is the main aim for them to take note and actually listen. So I think, yeah, I think that's the main aim we need to go for in a sense that they're not going to shut their blinds or in Mike Bassett, where if you've got a problem, just stick a note under the door and you don't look. I think in order for him to realise and make this successful, he needs to open his eyes. I think that's the main way to go forward and what I'd want from this protest. And Carl, we've seen protests across the Premier League's big six in the last couple of weeks. Manchester United's obviously the biggest focus as of late, and we all know why, because it did get a bit nasty. If there's one thing it can't happen, it can't get nasty at Tottenham, because then the message is kind of lost, isn't it? Yeah, you know, if you can take anything away, and, you know, obviously my view here is to anyone who's listening who is thinking of going, the minute that there's trouble starts and potentially police have to come in and then suddenly, you know, you see on the news images of police and that having been attacked and, you know, stuff getting broken, as you say, Dan, all credit goes out the window for the fans at that point, doesn't it? And no one's got any sympathy for what you're kind of you're protesting about. So it has to remain a peaceful protest, be loud, be noisy. But what we can't afford to see is things like the club shop windows getting smashed in or suddenly, you know, police having to bring out the riot gear and start suddenly lumping supporters. Because the minute that happens the wrong focus will be on the club and then the wrong focus will be on the fans. And then from that point on, people just go, well, we've got no sympathy with this lot because they just want to turn up and basically have a go. Um, And we can't afford that. You know, we've seen the kind of way that that's worked against the Man United fans. What they did and what they started was looking to be really promising and the way it ended just left a real bad taste there. So we do need to make sure that it's, you know, be loud, be, you know, be vocal do everything you can, but just do not let it cross that line because that will, you know, that will just ruin the whole thing for everybody. And Holly, of course, there has been protests elsewhere, even in the capital, Arsenal and Chelsea. And when you look at our first attempt, the numbers weren't really there. And of course, there's the mitigating circumstance that it was four o'clock on a Wednesday. So credit to anyone who did go, but you're never going to get that kind of signs or scenes, sorry, at um, Stamford Bridge or the Emirates. It just wasn't going to happen. That said... Do we just have to worry about this protest in isolation and not worry about comparisons to other clubs? It's about who turns up on the day and makes their voice as loud as possible. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it is really frustrating in the sense people compare us. And again, we've made another joke of ourselves. But I think at the end of the day, these big six teams, the fan bases were all up in, in uproar about it. And I think to keep comparing them isn't the right thing to go because at the end of the day we all love our football it shouldn't matter who we support at the end of the day if there wasn't another team to play against there would be no football so in that kind of respects I wouldn't be comparing them but yes we need to do much better than last time and I do credit anyone that turned out because I would have loved to have gone at four o'clock in the afternoon but it just wasn't viable with where I am and obviously working things but this is why this one at the weekend is one that is at a time that we can all get to it's at a weekend and I just think it's the way to go forward. If you were unable to go to the last one, just try and make sure that you can go to this one at the end of the day. I'll stay with you, Holly. Just to clarify, it's definitely May the 15th. There's no other protests across the weekend because there was all that hoo-ha about May the 15th, May the 16th. Is that going to affect the mobilisation in any way or is, is it all kind of all on that date now? I believe it's all on the 15th, but Fantastic. there is obviously words that there is one on the 16th. I think the message is if... You want to go to one where there's lots of people. I think 15's mainly the one that's been out for a very long time. But if you can't make the 15th, I think there is a, another one on the 16th at the end of the day. But 15th is the main one. OK, then. Right, Cole. In terms of the end game, 
the end game really is for Enix to sell up. Now, for those who still favour them as a ownership entity, there's always that message of, yeah, but better the devil you know. I get that, because obviously there's always that apprehension about change. You're like, mm, not really sure. But I don't know about you, Cole, I'd quite like to know the devil I don't now, because I've sort of had so much of Enix, it's kind of like, let's just roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah, it's the easy argument, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but who's out there that's going to come in? Yeah, but, well, the thing is, we don't know, do we? So you can swing that argument the opposite way and say, yeah, but there could be someone who's out there who wants to come in and wants to make Tottenham a winning machine on the pitch. And for all you know, them selling up was the best thing that could ever happen. Um, so that argument of oh, who's out there and as you say Dan the better the devil you know at least well no sometimes change has to happen and sometimes it's for the better so it's very easy to sit there running scared and saying yeah but what if someone worse comes in than Enid well not being funny let's be honest from a footballing sense of view who could come in and do a worse job in all honesty you know who could honestly come in and do a worse job because I think there is that reality isn't there that when they hired Pochettino, in theory, they got very lucky because the guy managed to do things on a shoestring budget that I don't think many other managers would have been able to do. And I think, you know, Enoch in a big way got away with those few years under Poch where we were, you know, we were so good. Um, it wasn't because they went out and brought superstar footballers that you knew on the pitch were going to do the job. It was more for the fact you had a manager you had the oh, you know, you had a legend coming through the youth system who was going to suddenly burst on the scene and give everyone a great identity with the club, um, and you know, one of their own, etc., and get some good feeling going. And you did have eleven good players on the pitch, but you know, I still think you know it left a lot to be desired. So yeah, I'm like you, Dan. For me now. I'd take a chance of seeing there could be someone out there because the one thing I think there should be a businessman out there that sits there and goes, if you can turn this club into a success on the pitch as well as off it, you double your money because winning things brings you lots of revenue. Winning things brings you lots of prize money and winning things makes you an even bigger brand in global football terms. So someone might be out there that says, the infrastructure's there now. That's going to make this club the biggest club in world football on the pitch. So I'd like to give it a try because I don't think anyone out there could do any worse. Holly, what's your stance? Are you apprehensive or would you love to see change in the, well, I don't know, 12, 18 months around the corner? 100%. I want change. Um, the thing is, when I say I want change, people always say to me, oh, yeah, but you were never here under the Lord Sugar days. And No, I wasn't. But I don't have anything to compare to. All I have to say is that it's been 20 years and in my lifetime, I've seen one trophy. And like Carl says, they always say that, oh, Daniel Levy, Enix, that they're brilliant businessmen. But brilliant businessmen take risks. And with Levy and Enix, they're good at property investment, which is what they've done. They've shown us with a beautiful stadium and great training facilities. Never take risks on the pitch. And for me, that's why we will never be a success in a sense. It's always luck, like Carl says, with Pochettino. That was luck. And in that kind of respect, they're not great businessmen because you need to be on it. With football, it's two different separate things with them. It's let's do it great off the pitch. Let's not do it great on the pitch. And I think for so long, they've rode the wave because we were hitting top four for so many years. But at the wrong times, they just didn't feel like they needed to invest because we were hitting those milestones. And I think for me, 
I'd rather roll the dice and get someone in and, and bite my luck and see what happens. Because at the end of the day, like Carl and you have said, Dan, <laughs> what have we got to lose at the end of the day anymore? That's the thing for me. Absolutely. I'll stay with you then, Holly, because if the board, I don't know how to frame this, showed genuine signs of largesse in the transfer market and really, really rolled the dice, would you settle for that? Or is it a case of we've had our fingers burnt so many times by this kind of transfer naivety that never really gets to where we want to be? Is that not is that like a halfway house? Or do you just want to see the absolute clear the decks, get new owners in and let's do it properly? I want to see him on, to be honest with you. It was like the final nail in the coffin. I mean, not getting players in after, obviously, we sold them and never actually managed to get them back to the sense. Like Ericsson, for example, we never got anyone in to replace him, I don't think, to the standard. And yes, he wasn't great towards the end of his time at Tottenham. But imagine if we sold him when he was at his prime, got a good set of money in, and then managed to replace him with someone at the same level. This is the thing for me. They don't take risks. And I think now is the time to just say thanks for building a nice stadium, this, that and the other, but your time's up. So, yeah, it's been too many times that I've sat here and thought, what if? What if you did this? What if you did that? And for me, they never change their spots, these kind of people. that That's the way it is. They're never there for change, and I don't think they ever will. So, for me, it's time to go. Now, Carl, Holly mentions the stadium, and I think one blot on Levy's copybook, which many forget, is that he hasn't found us a sponsor yet. Is that important to you? Are you happy just to be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or does it need to be the Nike Arena? What do you make on that? No, for, for me, I'm very surprised because I, you know, I'd have thought that that would be something that when the stadium was being built and being made, you'd have had all that lined up. But obviously, he was obviously looking for the right deal and we know what Daniel's like with a deal. You know, He'll go down and change things at the last minute and demand more or put in some clause or something. So we don't know that there hasn't been deals there that suddenly people have just pulled out of because of the way that it's been done. Um, it doesn't worry me so much, in, only in the sense that, and again, when I say it doesn't worry me, the only reason that it would be great is because you think if someone suddenly was prepared to pay you 300 million or something to have naming rights on the stadium and we're going to the Nike Stadium or the British Airways Stadium, it would only interest me in the fact that is there money gone into the club that then can be spent on the pitch? But with Enoch and the way it worked, 300 million could get put into the club and we never see that on the pitch so for me right now the naming rights thing isn't a massive issue i think they'll need to get it sorted i'm sure covid probably was something that put the you know put that on the back burners because companies might not you know there might have been a deal ready to be done and someone's pulled out going well look we can't take that that risk right now i think they will get it sorted um yeah, like I say, for me, it would only be something that would interest me for the fact of how much money can we get and will we see any benefit of that. Unfortunately, the way the current regime is set, set up, I think someone could probably come in and pump in 600 million and it probably wouldn't mean a thing to us on the pitch the way things are working out. So it kind of does lose a little bit of interest there because you just don't think, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with this board, you don't think anything's going to be done the right way in the footballing side of things. And, and I say, as we keep saying it all night, don't we? As fans, that's really all we're interested in is the football side of things, not the kind of back stuff and how you're going to make your money. Um, so I think they'll sort it, but God knows when that comes along. But I'm quite happy at the moment to keep it being as the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because I just 
you know, I dread to think if, if we get the wrong sponsor, the sort, you know, we've seen with Newcastle, haven't we, like the Sports Direct Arena and stuff like that, and you just go, oh, it could be a real horror show. For me, I still would love to have it be known as White Hart Lane, and, and for me, it always will be. Well, you make a very good point about COVID. It's almost a case of you don't really want to take a deal for the sake of it, and you've undersold yourself. There's no benefit in that. And you say benefit, you're absolutely right that, yes, it'd be great to have a sponsor, but what benefit would it be to the actual playing team? Or how would that money then funnel itself back into the club in terms of expenditure? You're probably thinking out of 300 million, 50, 100, we wouldn't get the full lot. So what are you really missing? It's interesting, Holly, because you kind of sort of think, would that be an extra bit of revenue which could be the catalyst to close the gap? Well, the gap's got sort of further wider than what it was a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, could it be that missing chunk of money which then pushes us back in the top four race? I mean, it could be, but you think to yourself that Leicester time, and obviously Leicester won the league, that was the time to reinvest, and they didn't bother. So I think regardless of what money comes in, I still don't think it's going to be spent wisely. I mean, you see the bail money after we sold him. What did we invest in? It's the same thing again, and I think obviously with the COVID argument as well, we were supposed to have Lady Gaga there, supposed to have NFL games there, we were supposed to have Gun and Roses there. Do I think that money would have been pumped back into the squad, uh, back into the team to then reinvest in players that we obviously need? Because like, like we keep saying, there's players in this team that really aren't good enough. But they've been there so long because Levy and Enik thought, no, don't need to refresh it. So for me, it's a really odd one because we don't know what's going through their brains. All we know is that they want to make money and they're not really necessarily really worried about what's going on in the pitch. And like we said, hopefully maybe dropping out as bad as it sounds out of the UCL, even maybe out of Europe into this silly conference league. I mean... Maybe that will kick them up the butt to think, oh, OK, actually, no, we need to start investing in the team now because we've slipped so far. But I think they've shot themselves in the foot because now it's going to cost even more money to get good players into this side to get rid of the deadwood. Because that deadwood, I don't think is going to... We're not going to shift it all out in this transfer window because it's going to... I think we're not going to accumulate enough to buy other players in, especially, obviously, after this debate about COVID as well are people going to want to spend in this transfer market and another big worry for me is obviously Harry Kane I mean there's rumours about him every single day if he goes are we going to invest that money wisely no, no. And, the other, and the other argument is Harry Kane is he's up to his level this game and we'd essentially be losing two players in a sense of Harry Kane because of how deep and how good he is as a, as a cam as well as a striker so that's another thing to worry about so yeah I just I've lost the plot with them really Carl, when it comes to Levy, is he the only man who's had to spend money by trying to save money? The thing, I think Holly made a really, you know, hit on a really good point there, which is, you know, the whole thing about Levy being a great businessman, and I'm sure he is at certain things. And and obviously, in some ways, I know as well, we have to, you know, you do have to remember, Levy is following orders from someone above him, you know, Levy is essentially an employee as well, and he, he's under Joe Lewis. So, you know, Levy gets a lot of stick, but I think we need to put it in that bracket that it's Enoch because Levy is just following the instructions that Joe Lewis above him is saying, listen, I want this and I want that, and this is how I want it done. Um, but what I don't get from so-called clever businessmen, and Holly made the point exactly there, We've now got to spend more money than we probably needed to to get back to where we were. And it's the fact that you can't see these great businessmen didn't realise we're so close. 
with that squad we had, we were so close to success. And it might have taken a hundred million at that point, or eighty million a couple of seasons ago. Go and get two real class players now and push this side over the top. And then suddenly, you know, if it won a title, if we won cups, if we were in the Champions League season after season, and who knows, even won it, the money will come in even more. We were so close. And it only needed a small more, you know, it only needed a little bit more investment at that point. When you look at it now, my God, it doesn't need a little bit of investment anymore, does it? Look how much money it would take to put this squad in a position to challenge for a title again. We're not just talking three or four players now. You are talking you need six or seven players. And we, you know, and that's where you just go, wow, you can't believe these so-called smart businessmen didn't click. But I think that's one of the biggest problems that you kind of maybe hope this protest also gets as well, is that there may be people need to say, listen, you're great at this side of business, but football, the football side ain't you. You need to step away from that side and maybe you need to bring someone in to run that side of things. You know, we need the whole recruitment situation looked at, in my opinion, because when you look at the recruitment that we've had over the last few years, I mean, it is shocking. You know, the people should have had their heads, you know, chopped off for the sort of players we've got brought in. Um, and it's that side of thing that you just think you're great at certain things, but this this side of it is not for you. And that's the side you need to step away from. Because if you couldn't see how close we were a while ago, and that small little bit more investment at that point would have pushed you very nicely over the top, and you've let it crumble to where it is now. And now we're talking rebuild. And we should never be in this situation to have, need the sort of rebuild that we do now. And that's where I sit there and say, you can't be that smart a businessman if you didn't tweak that and see that was going on. Um, and, and it clearly shows the football inside is not for you, unfortunately. And that's, what, again, that's for me what I think this protest is all about. It's just making sure that they realise there needs to be some change. We need to look at the way things are being run, who it is who's running them, what you know, what the policies that we have are. You know, this buy young and cheap and hope that we get the next bow or someone again that we can sell on. That's got to go. You know, there's nothing wrong with bringing in a 28, 29-year-old. If he gives us three seasons of success, that's better than having a 19-year-old around for 10, eight seasons who produces nothing. And that's, that's again... That's the whole point, I think, of what this protest is about and what we hope the sort of change it could bring. Now, Holly, there's three months until the start of next season. How many protests should there be between now and the first day of next season? Because you need to keep pressure up. It's all very well having Saturday, but you need to follow up and do more and more and more. So how many should be done, do you reckon? As many as we can possibly make. <laughs> I think that's the, would you the, go, the would main... Would say weekly, every Saturday, between now over the summer? Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, that's the thing at the end of the day. Like Carl said, like you said, Dan, as the as time goes on, people will kind of forget and not remember what's been happening the last couple of months, especially these couple of months. I mean, obviously, with the COVID restrictions easing as well, I think it would be a lot easier in a sense to do these kind of protests too. And obviously, you've got the Euros coming up as well. And I think just to keep that momentum building is the only way to really get our message across. And like we said, it's not going to be something quick. 
because we know at the end of the day, Enoch and, and Levy are, are, can be very stubborn and they will be stubborn and they won't go unless the right price comes in for them. But if we keep making noise, that's the only thing we can do as fans. And like we said, I just we can keep the momentum up. It will obviously make sponsors sit up and watch as well, I think, also. So, yeah, as many as we can possibly make weekly would be perfect. Now, Cole, I don't want to compare us to that lot down the road, but they have been in the habit of match day protests. Would you advocate that, or is there the risk of perhaps you know putting the players off, or is it going to be a necessary evil for good things to happen further down the line? Yeah, I think unfortunately, you know, it's a necessary evil at the moment, isn't it? You know, I think that the trouble is you you need to be there in and around maybe those match days because again, you'll get the attention that that sort of those sort of protests would bring, wouldn't you? I think, as in, for me, this is what the real key will be. If Saturday becomes a one-off, then I think it just dies away, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, Enoch and Levy will sit and go, yeah, well, we had one day where there was a big group of them out there singing. It went away. After that, it's done. We carry on as normal. We It, it needs to have the momentum behind it where it keeps going. Who knows? Even needs to be people outside the training ground on a daily basis, you know, because, yes... I know it could be seen as disruptive, but that's all that's going to make a difference, unfortunately. The only way you get action is by disrupting things. Um, you know, if, if you've got someone sitting in your garden and they're just sitting there in silence, you wouldn't care, would you? Because you think, well, he ain't doing me no harm. He just sits there all day long. If he's throwing stuff at my windows and that, I want him gone. And I'm going to do and I'm going to have to act. And that's how it's going to be with this. You know, it might be that there has to be people outside the training ground. And I'm not saying give people stickers they're going in, but just be seen, you know, have that media presence where all oh, they're there again. Match days, you want to be there. You want to be, you know, say if the team is staying in a hotel, you want people there. It's the only way you're going to get some action because, you know, as you say, the noisy neighbour is the one that people want to get rid of. You don't want to get rid of the bird watchers next door who don't make no noise and don't cause you no problems. Yeah, all I would say to finish is that whoever's there on Saturday, make sure there's even more people on the next one. Don't just have one protest in isolation because, as Carl says, it will be a ripple of noise in the grand scheme of things, but unfortunately, that's not going to be enough for Enix to sell up. They're not going to look out the curtains and go, ooh, it's getting a bit tetchy out there. You know, it needs to be a full focus over the summer and next season for as long as it takes. You know, do it. I know it's easy for me to say this in Newcastle. I'd love to be on the ground, as it were. And if it does get bigger and bigger, then maybe I'll take the day to uh, to come down. But I just think good luck to everyone who goes on Saturday. Just do it properly. As we said, don't be violent and everything because, you know, it's kind of you're trying to portray a message, but also portraying the club. So don't sort of, as you say, Cole, smash up the club shop or just anything silly. Just protest but do it in good nature so there's my uh, <laughs> there's me reading the right act for Saturday but I think that's pretty much full time so just need to do the admin which is simple as thanking my two pod squad members because we didn't even talk about football yay well done Holly <laughs> Holly cheers for your time this evening no thank you very much it was um, it was very therapeutic to um, talk about that bald egg and uh, Enoch as well so thank you very much not a problem always a pleasure with you Holes and Cole thank you for running the channels as always and wearing that captain's armband no worries Dan always cheers me up mate and as, as Holes said there it's always therapeutic when you have one of these sessions isn't it so yeah good stuff mate really enjoyed that absolutely okay next week we'll get a bit of Cole's protest insight to start the show and then for the rest of the show we're going to talk about managers and the fact we don't have one yet and who that man 
might be. So that's going to be next Monday's show, and it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs! For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.